Hi, Kirby. Hi, Sarah. Welcome, Welcome to, to Los Angeles. Angeles. Welcome, Glamgelinos. We Ooh. hope you stay a while. <laughs> cute. That's cute. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Happy Filipino American Heritage Month, Glam Jolinos. In honor of this very important month, and all of the contributions we, as a beautiful people, have made. We have a very special Filipina-American on the pod today whom I admire so much and love. I'm so excited to welcome Anne Krisha Buena Obra to the pod. Welcome, Anne! Hello! Happy fam! I'm so honored to be here. You know, I love Los Angeles. I love everything you and Kirby do. Oh my gosh, no. Kirby, who is not here, by the way, and she's sad she's not able to join us, but we were talking about what we wanted to do to celebrate the month, and I was like, say no more. I know exactly <laughs> who I want to have on the podcast because I'm obsessed with you. And oh, I just like, I everything you do, also, if you're not following Anne yet, follow her. But she is just like, content strategist extraordinaire but also she's so beautiful and is a model so you've probably seen her beautiful face on like some of your favorite campaigns you've you've been in like benefit what other brands have you worked with i did an apple campaign a sephora campaign nike swim soul body which is part of color pop day hair oh my god you're in everything you're busy girl you know is it like half and half, like you're spending your time like half modeling, half strategizing? <laughs> yes, pretty much. Sometimes it'll like switch off. Sometimes I'm doing 60-40, sometimes 80-20. And it really just depends on the time and the season. Yeah. Right now, I will say I'm doing more of the strategy and consulting part, but love modeling. Yeah. Do you prefer to do like any specific type of modeling? Like, do you like to do like the beauty, like kind of up and close, or do you like to do the fashion? I love both, but I find myself doing more fashion campaigns, like getting booked for more fashion things. Oh, that's fun. Which before I was a beauty girl, I was a fashion girl. Like I wanted to be a fashion girl so bad. I was in high school, like designing clothes and I could not draw. So I <laughs> love doing the fashion campaigns. I also feel like for me, at least, there's something more empowering about it and just being in the space as, you know, a short, because I'm like 5'3", almost 5'4", a short, mid-sized Filipina girl. I just love the idea of like being in that space and disrupting it. Like, yes, you can be in a Nike campaign. Totally. Oh, my God. Well, I'm 5'2", so you're like taller than me. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's amazing. It's like so exciting to see what you're doing. And like, I'm sure you get so many messages from like young Filipina girls who are like, thank you. Like, I see you, you know, because like growing up, you and me, like, I didn't see anyone who looked like us. And you underestimate the power of what you're doing until you get those messages. 
until you get those messages from the younger Filipina girls who are like, I can't believe I'm seeing a Filipina in this space and just doing something different and doing what we want to do. But honestly, could have never dreamt of doing. I was not dreaming about doing any of this as a kid. Totally. And like, yeah. And we also don't realize like the impact that all had until like now where we're all sitting in therapy. But like, you know what I mean? Like, it is so tremendously impactful to be able to see yourself in movies, in music, in ads when you're like, you know, Zoe's age. Like now it's amazing because everyone is represented. We still have a long ways to go, but like, I feel like it's just so inclusive and so diverse compared to when we were growing up. So I just, I love it. I love it so much. Me too. Okay. We start every podcast with what's on your face. So I need to know, and beauty girl, what are you loving? What is on your glowing, beautiful face right now? Okay. Well, I did just get Vivace on Sunday. So microneedling and radio frequency. Tell us about it. How did you like it? It's like painful. It hurts. Yeah. But this one did not hurt as bad as when I did it the first time earlier this year. So not bad at all. Did they numb you a little bit? Yeah. They numbed me and they have a new technology where they're using AI to scan your face, your skin and determine like how far the needles need to go so that you're getting the most precise and, you know, the best, not wounds, micro injury. Yes. Uh huh. Uh huh. So it's not too deep unless it needs to be. Okay. Exactly. Wow. Okay. Well, so you do that like often? No, no. I just did it because I spoke with them on a panel. So I did the treatment afterwards it really helps with my texture and hormonal acne. So I would probably do it just once a year. But I think as time progresses, I probably won't need to do it as often. But it's fabulous for that. Yeah, I feel like the before and afters, especially if you do have textured skin, like it's just like no brainer. You have to do it. It helps so much. Yeah, it's amazing. But since I just did that, I'm in recovery mode. So I'm using like very baseline skincare products like Avene, you know, Tower 28, the whole SOS line, Bloom Effects. I call those products my like fighting chance. <laughs> so if anything's ever going to, on with my skin, this is like the products I know will fight for me, get me back to base. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the SOS spray or just everything like the the serum too? Everything to the cream. Oh, it's so good. Anytime I have any sort of inflammation or like dermatitis, like I put that serum on, I put that spray on. I mean, I tell Amy, I'm like, I put that spray on like Cade's butt, like if he has like diaper rash. Oh my gosh. No, it works so well. I sprayed on my arms if I have like for my eczema, I'll literally just douse. It works so well. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Tell us about how do you care for your eczema? Okay. So I used to have a really good routine down pat and then it stopped working. Like I turned 30 and my whole body decided to change and everything that I was doing in my twenties just stopped working. Like I used to just be able to rub down in coconut oil, call it a day. Eczema would not come. Say hello. Now everything triggers it and it doesn't help being in LA where pollution and the environmental factor is not on our side. So now when I'm getting an eczema flare up, since it's heat, I try to do things to cool down. So I do a lot of internal things like drinking peppermint tea, doing a lot of cooling herbs. I actually have a really great kind of 
I don't know what to call it. Like it's a cream, but it's traditional Chinese medicine, herbal cream that's made for eczema that literally cools the skin. That helps a lot. And then, yeah, doing things like using, you know, Tower 28's SOS spray. I use that on my body. And actually, I've been doing CBD oil. Have you heard of the brand Prima? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Their CBD oil is amazing. Okay. That has been helping too. So yeah, just kind of reaching for things that are going to help calm my skin down, help with inflammation. Yeah. See, okay. Like that's what people should be using these like CBD infused skincare products for. You know, we all know there was a huge, huge couple of years where it was in everything and people were like just promising too much, but it really is amazing in helping like to calm the skin with any like inflammation. That's really, really good to know. The cream that you have, the TCM one, is that like made by a doctor? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's made by a herbalist. My acupuncturist actually recommended it to me because I was getting treated for my eczema through acupuncture, which also helps a lot because eczema is kind of stuck energy and it's manifesting through your skin. So, yeah. Oh, that helped me so much. And then she recommended the cream so that I had something topical to use in between our sessions. Yeah. Oh my God. That's amazing. Ugh, isn't that crazy how like, yeah, you like turn 30. And then they're just like, surprise. And everyone told me that. Everyone would be like, (laughs) wait till you turn 30. I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Girl, please. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, it seems like you're figuring it out. What about makeup wise? Anything you're into? Yes. I've been loving the Cali Ray SoCal Super Bloom blush. It's Uh so pretty. I'm wearing it now. Lips and cheek. I just dab it everywhere. It looks so glowy on you. It's so pretty. And have you ever tried Herborean's BB cream? Oh my God. Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. It's so good. It's funny because I actually first tried it in 2012 when I lived in Paris because it's like a Korean inspired French brand, right? I know. It's confusing. Yeah. So everyone in Paris at the time was using it when I was living there. So I tried it and it's literally just as good today as it was back then. Though has an age. Yes, I feel like I forget about it and then I rediscover it and then I'm like, oh my god, why? Why did I ever stop using this? It's so good. What were What were you doing in Paris? I was studying abroad. Oh my gosh, yes, that's right. We're like twin flame. I also studied abroad in Paris. Love it. It changed your life, right? Oh my god, yeah. I mean, I know it's like cheesy and like everyone, you know. Everyone has their their feelings, but like it was the best. It was the best. It was the best. I don't care what anyone says. And yes, I came back so annoying and such a snob. Oh my God. Yeah. So I studied abroad. I was 2008, which was like allegedly like one of the best years for wine, like in France, not like the best, the best, but like of the, you know, decades or whatever, recent decades. And I just came back and I was like, I know a thing or two about, you know, this wine. Let me tell you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. So funny. By the time I came home, I was still 20. Oh, okay. And you just have to be 18 to drink in Paris and France and Europe, really. So when I came back, I was horrible. I was the worst because I couldn't get into any of the clubs and I would be standing there like, I lived in Paris. I know what I'm doing. Like I should. <laughs> oh my gosh. Insufferable. Literally. Oh my God, the best, the best time. Okay. I love all those products. I love all those recommendations. 
Let's talk about being Filipina American. So you grew up in the Bay Area, which a lot of my family grew up in the Bay Area. My sisters, they moved from the Philippines to Daly City. They like grew up there, had their whole experience there. It feels like, you know, there's like a huge Filipino community there. So you definitely don't feel alone, but it is a different experience still being Filipina American and trying to like figure out your identity. Were you always like really proud of your culture growing up or what was that like for you? So being in the Bay, because there's such a dominant Filipino community, there's never a moment where you feel like you have to hide it because everyone there, you throw a rock and someone's Filipino. <laughs> <laughs> like literally you drive around and everyone has the sun like a sticker, like on their car, they're wearing it as a necklace. Like it's just everywhere. Everywhere. So I was never, you know, ever had a moment where I ever felt ashamed of it. I think I had a really interesting experience within the Filipino community because I don't look Filipino. Even within my family, I was always teased for being like adopt. I was not adopted. Both my parents are Filipino. You look like half. I know everyone thinks I'm half mestiza. Yes, very much so. But my mom is from Pangasinan. and my dad is from Bicol, like just straight up. My grandpa, my dad says, is from Spain directly. But he doesn't even really know because his dad, my grandpa died when he was like three. And then his mom, my grandma would not talk about it. Oh, okay. Okay. It's still like a mystery. Totally. My mom is a Ramos and like... She's, she has like, you know, Spanish, like, obviously there's a lot of Filipinos that have Spanish blood in them, but like, that's her favorite thing to tell people. (laughs) She's very proud of that. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So funny. But yeah. So within the Filipino community, I felt like I was always fighting to be like recognized as Filipino. So I was definitely always proud. And if anything, I would be like loud about it because I was kind of fighting to be like, yes, I'm Filipino. Like I'm not mixed. I'm not adopted. Which when you're a kid hearing that, it's actually traumatizing. Yeah, because then you're like, am I? I know. (laughs) Do your siblings look more Filipino than you? Yes. Yeah, 100%. They look way more Filipino, way more Asian. So it didn't help. Like, I definitely had moments where I was like, wait. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, what happened, actually? I know. No, that's just how genetics works. That's how it all happens. Oh, my gosh, that's so funny. So you were just like, already not only trying to like pave your way as like a Filipino American, but then trying to prove to Filipinos that you were Filipino enough. Exactly. That's so crazy. I identify so strongly with being Filipino because when I was growing up, my family, we would go home every single, every other year for a month. We would just stay in the Philippines. So I've been so many times and at home, my parents are just like, they only, they speak Tagalog to us. Everything we do is like so Filipino. (laughs) So yeah, I was definitely fighting to be like recognized as as being Filipino. That's amazing. So did you go to college in the Bay? Yes. I went to SF State. Okay. So like your whole experience has like been like, again, you throw a rock and someone's Filipino. Yeah. That's great. I had such a different experience growing up. So after my parents moved from Daly City, from the land of 
the Filipinos. We moved to San Diego. <laughs> That's where I was born. And I was like the only Filipino Asian girl. And all my friends were blonde. So I had like this like total identity crisis where I was like, I'm supposed to be blonde. I don't I don't understand. And it took me like literally until I would say like, obviously, I was like, I recognized that I was Filipino. I loved eating, you know, all the food and everything. But I wasn't like proud, proud, probably till like college where like that is more celebrated, you know? Yeah. So for me to see now what it's like, like, it's like cool to be Asian and Filipino. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Now they want to know everything. They want to know what we've been up to all these years. I know. Yeah. So it's just wild, especially like watching it also on like social media, like on Instagram and TikTok, like our food is cool now, you know, like Olivia Rodrigo representing like it's just it's it's a pretty crazy. I mean, I'm obviously so proud, but it's such a different experience from from when we grew up, because like, again, we said like we didn't see anyone. We saw like Leah Salonga. Yeah. Yeah. But she was just like the singing voice <laughs> of like the princesses, you know, like it wasn't even like the full acting voice. It was so crazy. Like, I can't even think of like anyone else that I really like who else in in movies or anything. Nobody. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. And even though, you know, from a community perspective, I was surrounded by Filipinos media wise. No, nothing at all. I wouldn't even think about it. I also thought I was going to be like in fashion and, you know, even in beauty, like we just there wasn't a place for us. So go us for continuing to like (laughs) we're here (laughs) paving the way for ourselves. Okay, so I want to talk about your modeling career and like what that is like with you being like you said, like a Filipino American who is curvy and like maybe not what you would normally think, you know, what society tells you what a model looks like. When did you decide you wanted to do that? Yeah. So I decided maybe like 2018, right? And you're right. Before all of that, I would have never thought of it because who was doing that? And there was such a specific criteria to being a model before, right? You got to be tall, skinny, blonde, just all the things were literally not born to be. Right. Or if there was like an Asian model, you had to look like very Asian, you know what I mean? And it was like, you had to wear a red lip. Super exotic. Yes, extremely. That's so crazy. Yeah. And around 2018, I don't know. I just thought it would be fun. I literally was like, how fun would it be to model? Because I grew up dancing and performing and I've always been, mm, I can hold a note. (laughs) Yeah, I actually even had a dance minor in college. So I think I was always trying to find like what my next stage would be. And I just figured it would be fun to model. Like how fun would it be to model? It feels similar to performing. Plus like how fun would it be to literally just be in that space and change whatever it means to be a model. And at that time I had been doing editorial work for different brands and they were starting to hire more curvy models, different faces. So that was also giving me kind of the idea and the courage to go for it. So yeah, I literally just did an open casting and it turned out to be for Benefit Cosmetics for their concealer launch. And that was my first ever modeling gig. And from there, it just kind of kept going. I was like, okay, you know what? I can do this. We're going to do this. 
And I would plant the seed with my friends in the creative space and they would book me for things like I did Third Love, which was also really great. That was my second gig ever. By the way, love Third Love bras. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. I still wear mine. I think I'm wearing one. Yeah. Yeah. From three years ago. They're still around, right? Yes. They're still around. They actually have a store. I went to their store in Fashion Island the other day. (laughs) Okay. So they're definitely still a thing. They're so comfortable. I love them. So good. I have to send you the campaign I did for them because I actually danced in it. Oh my God. I hope they paid you extra for that. You know, (laughs) but yeah, so I just kept going. I just, when I think about it, I'm like, it's one of those things where you prepare for it. And then when it comes to you, you can do it. It's not like you can apply per se for modeling gigs or anything. You're kind of just seen... People will see you, people hear about you. When I got my first agency, my first agent, they helped put my name out there too. But yeah, the more you kind of just keep going, the more it comes, I guess. It's even to this day, I I couldn't tell you like what the exact path is or what's gonna the future's gonna hold, but I'm really grateful I got the chance and I'm getting the chance to do it and just disrupt the space and have fun. It's really fun. I love it. It's so fun to model. It would be my worst nightmare. But (laughs) you make it seem really fun. I hate, I cannot like, oh my God, ask Kirby. I'm like, I do not want to be in front of the camera. I'm so bad. What do I do? What do I, how do I put my hands? You'll have to give me a lesson. Yes, I sure will. So like, are people like, when they cast you, like agents that are like, what are you? No, not really, actually. Sometimes, sometimes if the campaign has a little bit more of a story, they will want like Southeast Asian or something a little bit more specific. But most of the time, they're really just looking at your face and your body and how the product fits you. But I will say I get that question more if I'm on set, when I'm on set and someone's doing my makeup. I always get it asked when I'm getting my makeup done. Looking at my face long enough. Right. Yeah. No, that's amazing. So has your experience modeling like changed your relationship with beauty at all at all or like how you define it or, you know, like your ideals? Oh, my gosh. One hundred percent. When I first started modeling, I really tried to fit into standards like I used to. This is so bad. But before a shoot, I wouldn't eat for maybe the whole day before the shoot which is so bad, not okay. But I was really still uncomfortable being in that spotlight as I was. I still felt like I had to be something else, even though I was already in the space. So it was crazy to think that. But over time, I really just started understanding beauty truly is an energy. Beauty truly is what you cultivate inside of yourself and how you share it. And that's all it is. That's truly all it is because you can fit the beauty standards, but it doesn't mean anything if you can't like cultivate and share. So, oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah. So I learned that through modeling because even if I was like, my face was perfect, I felt my body was perfect, whatever it might be. If I couldn't do that, it doesn't matter what photos I take. Now I'm going to translate. It's not going to send a story. People can't connect to it. Yeah. No, that's amazing. I love that. Okay. So you also, in addition, have worked in editorial, like you said, content strategist extraordinaire. 
But most recently, before you started going off on your own, you oversaw beauty partnerships at TikTok. That's how we like reconnected. Yes. And like did this tutorial for like all of Refinery's team and was like, this is how you use TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) I can't even imagine how many of those you did. How long were you there? And like, just tell us about your experience, because you were there at just like such crazy time, like peak TikTok time. Yep. I was there for three, almost four years. If I stayed till November of this year, I would have been four years. Okay. And what a ride. I had the best time. It was amazing to get in there and honestly have a front row seat and a hand in the development of beauty talk, right? Because I got there early 2021, like February or something, February 2021. Were you like already using the app? Like did you were familiar? A little bit, a little bit. I was very familiar. I watched a lot. I would make TikToks, you know, randomly for the app and the publication I was working with prior, Cherry, we were on TikTok a lot because, you know, we recognized it as an emerging platform. But personally, I was still kind of in the camp of like, I don't know about TikTok, you know, <laughs> like yeah. very millennial, of like, mm, I don't know about that app, like what's going on over there. Right. So when I joined, there was the need for a person in beauty, a subject matter expert, someone who's been in the industry, really knows it to grow the vertical out because the app, as you know it today, has everything. Yeah, so that was my role there was, you know, who are we partnering with? Who are we helping? Who are we developing? Who are we working with to get them really comfortable on the app and help find their voice? And I loved it because I got to work with people in beauty that I have always admired. Like who? Like you. Oh my God. (laughs) No, but no, like who are like some like influencers or brands like that you were like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm working with you. Well, I, Daniel Martin was one. I was like, when I met Daniel Martin, because I was working with Tatcha um, and that was amazing. Sir John was another one. Oh my gosh. Daniel Martin, by the way, was our first Glossy Angeles guest. Oh my gosh. What a trailblazer. I know. He's the best. Also Sir John. Yes. Incredible. That was one moment where I was like, you're one degree from Beyonce. Exactly. That was this much closer. Touches your face. You're basically. I'm Beyonce. You're Beyonce. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Welcome to the pod, Beyonce. (laughs) So good. Fenty Beauty was one where I was, and Rare Beauty. I mean, just all of those brands. There's so many that I was just so excited to work with. And that you were able to help like teach them and help grow their presence on TikTok, which is, it's crazy because you look at it now and it's like taken over. It's taken over. Yeah. Sorry. I was going to say Jen Atkin too, was one where I, when I started working with her in Maine and Way and all her brands, I was like, this is amazing. So yeah. Yeah. But also a lot of hard work. I mean, you were like traveling everywhere And I mean, every single brand wanted to be on TikTok. I mean, you obviously have the option to do that, but like wanted to partner, you know, so like that must have been just so overwhelming, too. Yeah, it really was. And that's why, you know, the partnership has to be really strategic. It has to align with whatever goals we had at the time that made it a little bit easier. 
but there are so many things and, you know, brands that I wish I got to do more with, but I have no regrets. It was amazing. And I'm really happy with the way that I got to move on to do my own thing because I felt like I did the job that I was hired to do. And I can, you know, walk away and be like, yeah, I did that. (laughs) What would you say is like a project or like a video or campaign or something that you're like most proud of? So I loved working on Fashion Month with Cece and Chaz. That was the best. So we got to do Fashion Month pretty much every season. That was my favorite project because it was a way for us to bring something different into fashion and beauty, put to the forefront new creators or even brands that are kind of overlooked. So any of those moments where I got to amplify people or brands that were up and coming, I lived for, especially API Heritage Month, all of that. Amazing. That leads me to our next question, which, I mean, you look at Beauty Talk and it's a lot more inclusive than I think it used to be, obviously, but I think still predominantly the main people, main influencers who are the most famous are like mostly white women, right? You did so much work at your time there at TikTok to like help elevate and grow AAPI, but also just like making it more of an inclusive space. There's still just so many white women who are, you know, benefiting the most, which it is what it is. But what do you think people of color, especially like beauty creators, are up against when it comes to the algorithm? Like, how do we stand out? Oh, my gosh. I love this question. And there's so many aspects and elements to it. Truthfully, it's less about being, you know, against the algorithm or anything like that. And more of just kind of what people want, which I hate to say, because the algorithm is nothing but a reflection of watchers taste. And as much as we've been able to push diversity and that the space is so much more inclusive than it is, for the most part, a lot of what watchers are still used to are white women and they still gravitate to it. Like sometimes when a new creator pops up and blows up and it's just, you know, another white girl, I'm surprised because I see BIPOC creators put their foot in their content. Like, oh my gosh, tell amazing stories, are so thoughtful, give us new points of views. And they don't nearly get enough views as they should. And it's just the watchers need to go to them. That's really what it is, is, you know, if you are truly wanting to see a more diverse space as a consumer, go there, right? Like just take the time to watch and find these newer BIPOC creators because they're already doing everything they can to stand out. Totally. Being themselves, you're standing out because you're offering something different that no one else can. It's just a matter of getting the people in front of you and getting that spotlight that you deserve. So who would you say are some of your favorite, if you can name any Filipino ones, but also just in general, like API creators on Beauty Talk? Yes. Okay. I randomly am on the Philippines side of TikTok, like literally content being made in the Philippines. Oh, yes. So I love Queen Matilda. Okay. I don't know her. She actually just did a partnership with Loewe, but 
in their TikToks, they'll swing on this pole and then they'll land and they'll recite something from like the Philippine constitution or Philippine <laughs> law. Yes. I love it. It's so funny because they actually just did a low heavy partnership and it was fabulous, but um, love them. And then there's another Filipino creator. I love RG. Have you seen him? RG? I forgot his name. I'm completely out of it. I need to, I need your list. Yes. Okay. I'll set it to you. He has amazing dances. Obviously I love Bretman. That's an absolute given. And I love Christina Rudolfo, our friend. I love her content. She's amazing. She just like gets it. She knows what to do. She gets it. That's who's on the top of my head right now. No, I love that. Do you feel like, you know, obviously the onus is on people's like what they're consuming and like in order for the pool of successful beauty creators to be more diverse, people need to support the diverse creators. But do you think it also has to do with like brands, like brands need to be working with more people of color when it comes to their their pool of influencers? Totally. One hundred percent. And just not being afraid to take that risk with creators and creators of color. It's understandable why they might be afraid to try something new or to invest in something new. But don't be afraid to be first. I think if we were to see more of that and just more investment in these creators of color, we could see that grow and that landscape change a lot. Yeah, I love that. Okay. I feel bad asking this because people should pay you to get this answer and, and give us a little tease. Give us a little tease. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. What do you think beauty is going to look like in the next five years in terms of like the landscape, maybe on social what do you think it's going to look like? And what do you hope it's going to look like? What are you most excited about? Ooh, I love this question. Where do I think the beauty landscape is going to be? Like, are we still going to be on TikTok? Yes. Okay. So we're still going to be on TikTok. We're absolutely going to be on TikTok still. I think it's going to be a specific kind of content. I think you're going to be getting your new and next audience on TikTok and you're going to be maintaining them on Instagram. And I think most brands should probably switch their resources and invest more into TikTok and treat Instagram as kind of like a maintenance platform because you've done it for years. There's not going to be too much of a change in content format and everything. And even if there is, it's going to take after platforms like TikTok. I think more and more the power is going to be in the watcher and in the creator and the creator field is going to diversify even more. Like we're going to see so many more micro creators and mid-tier creators. It's going to be more important for brands to work with styles than it is with people and following. Mm, what is like, say that, say more. What does that mean? Content styles. Okay. So instead of, you know, this girl looks cute and has 500,000 followers, let's ask her to do something. It's going to be like this person's content makes sense with this story that we're trying to tell. And then just integrating two parts together. It's like less casting and more partnership is the way that I see it. I love that. Okay. Would you say that like that's what the younger generation is more interested in too? Like because they're coming to TikTok for everything, like all the storytelling, all the news, like yeah. that's what they're, so that's what they're interested in? Yes, 100%. Because now with things being so 
authentic and transparent, we know when it's paid. We know when you got a script, right? So they're looking for those natural integrations where it's like, well, I was already getting this information from this person. So if you're trying to sell me X, Y, Z, I totally trust you. So yeah, that's, that's something what they're looking for is just that integration of the trust that they already have with the creator or with whoever they're watching and the brand that the creator chooses or the brand chooses. Okay. Yeah, no, I get you. Any other beauty TikTokers not, doesn't have to be Asian that you're like excited about? Ooh, okay. I also love this creator. Her handle is Vita Kari. Okay. She's not a beauty creator. She's actually, she does performance art, but you may have seen her TikToks where she goes, the funny thing about being creative And then she'll be like, this is not a makeup brush or this is not a background. I printed it out. Have you seen her? No. Okay. She's fab. I love her. She's hilarious. Um, And so creative. Like, I can't believe how many ideas she can keep turning out. So Vita Kari, she's great. And then I stumbled upon this creator recently and we started following each other. Their name is August. I don't know how to say their last name, but amazing content. They're a model, I think in the UK does some really amazing makeup tutorials, but also I've been loving how they will like get ready while walking or transporting to their next location. So yeah, I think they're one to watch. I just am like so amazed by how creative people are. Totally. And they don't have to obviously just be in like the cities, like they're like in the middle of nowhere and they're just like churning out some like extremely innovative content. And that's just the beauty of the TikTok. I love it. It's so fascinating. It's incredible. Um, Okay, last couple questions. What's your favorite Filipino food? Oof, is it horrible to say I love Filipino spaghetti? No, no, that's very Filipino of you to say. Love it. And every time I go to the Philippines, I got to do like a spaghetti tour. Oh, okay. Jollibee versus McDonald's versus KFC versus pizza. Okay. For listeners who are not familiar, Filipino spaghetti is not the same as regular spaghetti. It's like sweeter Mm -hmm. because there's a little bit of sugar in there. Or sometimes people use like the banana ketchup. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So do yourselves a favor Go to your local Jollibee or like look it up on TikTok and find a recipe. Yes. What is your karaoke song? I love singing Cater to You by Destiny's Child. You had one because that's like... You have to have one. You have to have one. (laughs) Like how can you not have one and then you get thrown in the spotlight and you can't? No, no, no. You got to stay ready. One of my favorite TikTok accounts to follow is the one that just compiles all the fabulous Filipinos that can sing. Yes. And they're like outside on a plastic chair wearing like a t-shirt and flip-flops. And it's like, yes, like belting their life. I live for that. That makes me so, I wish I had that singing gene. I know me too. Like my mom can sing and play the piano like incredibly. And like me and my sisters and my brothers, like we can like carry a tune, but we can't like belt it out like she can. It's like not fair. One of my favorite ones is this woman who like is rocking her baby have you seen it and she's like belting celine dion yeah it's like what get this woman on the voice no for real they couldn't have the voice in the philippines no they couldn't it would just be too competitive like everyone would just kill it yeah 
they wouldn't be able to find a winner. <laughs> what is it? Why can we sing so well? I don't know. I was in a TikTok rabbit hole because that was a question that popped up in the search bar. And I don't know if I believe this, but some people were like, oh, it's their language. There's like inflictions in their language that gets them to be able to hold those notes. But I don't know. I have no idea. Well, blessed. I'll take it. Yes, (laughs) exactly. And thank you so much for taking time to be here with me and celebrating our people, celebrating fam. Uh, Where can listeners follow you and support you and see your work? Yes, you can follow me at Ancrisha underscore on Instagram at Ancrisha, no underscore on TikTok. And I'm so grateful we got to share this chat. I love this month. I can't wait to see you all around this month because it's our month. It is our month. If you have a Filipino in your life, give them a hug, y'all. Yes, exactly. All right, that's it. Thank you everyone for listening. We will be back on Tuesday with the week's most buzzy beauty news. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify so you don't miss any breaking beauty news or product reviews. And if you want to support us, be sure to follow us at Gloss Angeles Pod on all platforms and join our Facebook group. Plus, find every product we recommend on our website, glossangelespod.com, as well as links to the stories and news we report each week. You can follow us, your hosts, I'm Sarah Tan, that's S-A-R-A-T-A-N, on all social platforms. And I'm Kirby Johnson, K-I-R-B-I-E, on all social platforms. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.